Episode 109 of the Bevan James Isles Show, an interview with me. Radio team, welcome along to episode 109 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Um, I'm still on holiday, I'm still on my honeymoon, it's a long honeymoon, we, we were away for six weeks, so I have pre-recorded the show, and, and actually I kind of cheated a little bit if I'm going to be really honest, because I got, got asked to go on another podcast, one called The Riding High Podcast, by a lovely man by, called Tynan Now. How do you say this last name? I'm going to say Nari Wonski. Nari Wonski? Tynan? Let me know if I got that right. So, um, and they interviewed me about kind of everything that I do and some kind of, you know, just kind of me talking about my thoughts and stuff, putting my story in there. Now, if you've listened to the show for a long time, there might be a lot of crossover, but I just kind of thought, A, I'm looking to get content up before I go away on holiday, and B, you know, it's just sometimes interesting hearing someone else interview someone who you may have already heard from so I'm sure there's lots of kind of stuff that maybe I've covered before in the past but also maybe it's kind of a different angle and I imagine there are some different things because I talk a little bit about public speaking and what are some of my key approaches to public speaking and some of those things in there as well so today's show is very much going to be that it's just this interview I did with Tyrone it's about 15 minutes we we talked for about 30 minutes and it was quite cool because it was quite it was easy it was quite nice because he, I could tell after about 30 minutes he was trying to wrap it up because he thought he was taking up two of my, much of my time and to be honest, I could talk for hours. If you've listened to the show for a long time, you know I could talk for hours. And, and I kind of in my diary, I planned uh, about an hour. So we, we pushed stop and then we kept talking and he's, and I said, mate, if you want to push record, come back in. And so we actually did. And so there's a little bit of a pause moment, then we come back in, so you can check that out. Before I get into the interview, you can check out um, my patrons. If you want to become a patron on the show, go to www.bevanjamesisles.com, and these people are some of my patrons. Kim Surging Further, Anderson Hadley, uh, we've got Lana, the Queen of Change, Kingy, we've got Wendy, Rockstar Schiffer, we've got Louise, King Kitchen Queen, oh yeah, she works at the gym now, she's actually Louise, she works at my gym, uh, Crosby, we've got Ella, Boom Boom Powell Green, and we've got Darren, the Dangerous, Busain, so those people who support me and what I do on this podcast, and if you want to support this show, you go to bevanjamesisles.com, and it's all very obvious on the Patreon, on the page, you click on Patreon, and you just donate what you want to go, so there you go, I'm going to very much get straight into this interview, because I'm on holiday. I'm, I'm, where would I be right now? At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you where I'm on this holiday and I'll predict what I'll be doing. I imagine about now, I'm probably in Germany, but I'll let you know at the end of the show. So here we go. Here's this interview with Tynan and me. All right, everyone, today's guest on the show is Bevan James Isle. Now, I first heard of Bevan from listening to him on the I Am Talk podcast, which if anyone's into triathlon and hasn't listened to, check it out. But the main reason I wanted to get Bevan on the podcast is because there's something in the way that he speaks. I find it really captivating and intriguing and in the way that he aspires to inspire others to have positive change in their life and just achieve the best that they can do. And I think your story is pretty amazing, Bevan. So welcome on board. I thought we would love to hear, to think, think to hear about yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, mate, let's start off. I recently heard you talking about daily habits and your weekly meetings and things like that. Mm. Now, I was pretty impressed with that and the detail that you went into, but what made you want to start this in the first place? Um, just so to give people a brief understanding of my daily, my weekly meeting, I basically once a week, I sit down at the beginning of the week and, and it's kind of like a planning meeting that makes me effective in use of my time. I'm going to, I'm really doing an abbreviated version here, but and, and around that, the foundation of it is built around who do I, who am I as a person? Where do I ultimately want to be spending my time in my life? And does my week reflect this? And you know, then how do I plan my week around that? And and to be honest, it's I love this idea of what is your success formula in life? It's something I always think about. You know. I, how do you become a successful person? Not just how am I good at one thing, you know, like I often talk about how athletes, you know, you'll get the athlete who has a really good sporting life and then once they leave their sporting life, their life kind of crumbles and then you'll get, like there's an all black called Richie McCaw who 
um, was, you know, New Zealand's greatest all black of all time. And he's just finished being a rugby player in the last two years. You know, this guy's going to go on and be successful in any endeavor he kind of puts his focus to in life. And so why is it that he has that? You know, why is it that Richie McCaw can just be successful at whatever he chooses to do? And to me, he just understands how to be successful. And so with that, I've loved this idea of well, what is your success formula? And, you know, and it's such it's a different thing for different people. You know, like what works for you doesn't work for me. And some or some things will, some things won't. And so for me, it's always been around part of my journey and my evolution has been what is that success formula? And then when I learn aspects that create consistent success in my life, then I want to make those into habits that, you know, keep me at a higher level. One thing I love is this idea of um, and I talked about when I talked on the other podcast about this is, is how how often do you go to be totally satisfied with your day? And to me, a totally satisfied day is a day where I've used pretty much every moment of my day in ways that I feel are valuable. And, and, and you know, that can be relaxing. It doesn't mean that I have to be productive in every minute of my day. Um, but that, you know, whenever whatever I was doing, I did it in a way where I thought, yes, I did that really well. And to me, things like my weekly meeting, uh, it's, it's a formula that I've discovered works really well for me to have those satisfying days. And so I suppose ultimately the answer is the search for evolution of self has taught me that these tools help me be consistent in doing that. Okay. And what's the biggest challenge in sticking to that? And when you do stick to it, what do you feel becomes available to you in sticking to your weekly plan? I think the, I think the, the key to sticking, it's interesting, I, I kind of believe that if once you learn something works, why would you not do it? And, uh, you know, like it seems pretty simple, but, you know, if I know doing my, and it's really interesting, if I, it's such, it's a 15 minute job, you know, that I do it every mm-hmm. like I did it you know, before I taught a class this morning. So I spent 15 minutes. Now, if I do that, I just, I nail my week. You know, just spending that 15. Now, there's some other things I do on top of it. Each day I kind of have a moment at the beginning of the day to kind of think of the objective of the day and all those types of things. But if I do that, I nail my week. And it's interesting, occasionally it doesn't happen just because, you know, life. And and it's really interesting. On the weeks I don't do it, I'm just a bit shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, you know, I'm just... <laughs> You know, I, there's just a slip that comes. Now, it's not the end of the world, but I ultimately think, you know, if you're consistent in good habits, the benefit is going to come along. And so the benefit of it is that because I live at a higher level, I feel more satisfied. There's a sense of achievement that I'm allowed to own. Um, there's a sense of confidence that comes with with that kind of way of living. And with confidence, that opens you up to possibility and opportunity. Because if I'm unconfident in my ability, then I believe I can do more with my time. And so I can achieve more. And, and then often, if you achieve more, then more opportunity comes to you because people see you as someone who can deliver. Um, so, you know, like this is kind of flow on effect. And again, if we take it all back, it's just this little time I take in my week to kind of consciously determine how I'm going to spend my time. But through that, there's so much benefit. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think when I, whenever I'm training for an Ironman and I've got like my 12-week or my 16-week blueprint there and it's got what I'm going to be doing exercise-wise, it really forces me to think about what other stuff do I need to do in my life and where's mm. it going to fit in. Yeah. And I feel like you get that momentum in your life. So when you finish an Ironman, that's why like I think some people, when they finish their first Ironman, they have like this Ironman blues because they're like, crap, they've got no structure and now they've got all this tenacity that they've just built up and drive and then they're like, where do I put it? Well, do you know what's uh, really interesting? Because I, 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 I always think of, you know, like, so when I was a young man, I needed a goal to be a higher level self. So like you said there, like when I was a young man, when I was doing Ironman, I was only as good as the goal that I had in front of me. And so what I, what I mean by that is that if I had a really challenging goal that was really stimulating, really exciting for me, I was a 100% version of myself. So I would do every training session. I would eat well. I would make sure I slept well. Like I was I was a really high-level athlete in that moment. And then what happened was if I didn't have a goal or I had a goal that was not necessarily stimulating for me, I was a bit crap. So I'd miss training sessions. I'd stay up late at night. My diet got a little bit poor. And the thing I kind of discovered was you know, at that moment, a saying I used to say was I was only ever as good as the goal I had in front of me. And then what I really thought about was, 
well, what does the goal that stimulates me and delivers a higher level of myself do? And ultimately what it made me do was it made me have higher level behaviors. So when I had the right goal, I would do every training session. When I had the right goal, I would make sure I slept well. When I had the right goal, I would, you know, nutrition, you know, I would consider the other areas of my life that are important. So the goal made me behave better. So then what I started to think about was, why don't I just focus on behaviors and not needing the goal? So what, you know, what are the behaviors that create a higher level of me? Well, for me, seven hours sleep creates, means I'm gonna have a better day the next day. For me, planning my week means I'm going to have a better week. For me, um, planning my nutrition means I'm going to eat better. So these types of, so, so nowadays I actually don't need the goal so much. Like I still like growth and I still like a goal, but I actually more focus on maintaining those behaviors that keep me at a higher level. And that's actually where I try to keep my focus now. And sure, there'll be moments where I'll set a goal because I want to kind of evolve to a higher level, but I don't actually need the goal so much to stay at a higher standard, if you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I have similar values. Like at, right now, I've got a 20-week-old son. So oh, wow. Ironman training is not really happening yeah. at the moment. But I've got all this other stuff in my life. And I sort of think, do I need that goal? But I'm still motivated to get out and still motivated to follow the same routine and keep that momentum rolling. Yeah. Uh, yeah so no, so your life is shifting. And now you feel, well, what do I want to keep from the old life that still fulfills me as I move forward mm. in a new life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Cool. And applying and applying that to the new sort of goals that I sit on the side as well. Yeah. Out of all that, what do you think? Like, you sound like you're pretty in check with yourself and where you want to get. What do you think is the biggest lesson you still need to learn about yourself? Uh, I think I think it's still letting go of fear. Um, I come from so my history is I was very much a dropkick. Um, I, I kind of failed school, and and the joke I always make is I it's I wasn't the kid who was intelligent and didn't try. I was actually just a bit of a thick shit, <laughs> and so uh, uh, like I really was like I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I couldn't you know like I really lacked some basic life skills. As I left school at fifteen with kind of no confidence, and I kind of went down this really destructive path. And um, and in many ways, it's been a very powerful thing in my life because as I shifted through that and learned to be successful, I gained. Um, um, a sense of um, the ability to to be successful, to overcome adversity, um, some good character traits like discipline and so on. Um, but one of the things I always had was because I didn't achieve academically, I couldn't trust on the world to provide for me. And so for that reason, um, I created a life that was um, very ind independent of that so I've never looked for a job I've always created worlds you know like I have a business and so on and, and I've been lucky that it's I've been successful in doing that um, but I still think that that fear of um, being a failure through school is something I still need to let go of um, mm -hmm. I, I think it still drives some of my decisions and that like financially in life I'm in a position where I've been very responsible with finances and I'm in a really safe position and, and probably ahead of most people of my age financially but I still have a fear of not earning enough money and it's it's actually unrealistic and disproportionate to the, what's realistically happening in my life and sometimes I still make decisions around I should do this because there's money there where actually it's maybe not the right decision for me and it's still based around this fear of what if and uh, and so it's something I'm really working on within myself right now is that what should I let go of because it's actually not adding value to my life um, and how do I let go of it? Because actually, if I can, there's other things I can be doing with my time that will add more value to my life and will have more of an impact on my world and the world I'm trying to have an impact on. And, it, you know, but that's probably the thing that I'm still, you know, that's probably my biggest struggle within myself. Okay. Mm. What's stopping you from letting go? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's really, you know, when, when do you, what's that point? And I suppose, I think in my mind when I know I'm totally financially free, that's what I think is when I get to let go. Um, and I remember a friend of mine who's kind of a pretty amazing man, he said to me, aren't you already there? And and, and to be honest, I kind of am. Um, and so for me, it's, I think it's a little bit of a jump. It's a little bit of kind of allowing myself just to do that. I think like I'm about to go away for six weeks and I, one of the goals I've set 
when I get back is to let go of some of the things that are more money based. Um, and you know, so I think it's about taking a bit of a plunge to be honest. And I, I do deep down believe that if I do that, that the energy I'm, I can to commit to other things will add, you know, we'll be able to contribute in ways that will still provide. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I have the answer to be honest. I think it's partly just about giving it a go. Um, and but yeah, I think one other thing is to realize that my real value in the world is not by making money. Uh, mm. And my world does affirm that a lot. Like a lot of people tell me that, um, you know, they, they love my work and they appreciate my work and I get a lot of affirmation for the work that I do. So it's there in front of me. It's allowing myself to keep my focus on that um, and not have it be the fear, be the focus. You know, so I suppose it's just about keeping my energy on. No, here's what the world tells you you should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's interesting because having that fear, it could even be one of your drivers, like one of the things that motivates you. Like it could be sitting in the background pushing you. So that's, that's yeah, well, interesting. And it's really interesting because I've happen. worked with people who have, um, you know, massive insecurities, but they see that as the driver of their success. But mm-hmm. for them, it's actually this insecurity is a really negative thing in their life. And But they're fearful of if I lose the insecurity, who do I become? And that that might be an aspect of what happens within me. Um, although I don't think I'm going to be unsuccessful if I'm not driven by the need to mm. fulfill this financial thing. Like, I'm not fearful of that. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the thing that I need to be still working on. Yeah. Yeah, I went through sort of this depression, suicide part of my life, and I didn't speak about it for a long time, and it sat in the background like as a motivator for me, and I always thought if I was upfront about it, maybe I'd lose that motivation. But uh, okay. then when I did start speaking about it, I'm getting this new heightened sense of, I don't know, I guess – purpose in life and it's bringing me to like i think what's going to be like the next level in my development and everything like that so why did it give you purpose i don't know i just felt like by having that sitting there and it being a secret i thought like that could always be my secret for when i get through a hard time in my life now i can tap back into that and then i can pull it out of the hat and go right i can now overcome stuff okay and i always thought if i was up front it'd be like like Superman saying, hey, there's a chink in my armor, like attack yeah. me here. Yeah. And and it's, yeah, it was kind of confronting, but yeah. So you saw value in the fact that you'd overcome it and that, that was a kind of a something that I could use to say, no, you've overcome hard things in your time, but mm. then you were fearful of if I expose it, then that, that loses its power for me. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, then, that was. But the opposite actually happens, that you feel yeah. more powerful and purposeful. Exactly. Uh, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Now, look, you just sort of, you've mentioned before on I Am Talk, and you just mentioned a little bit of then about your youth, and like you've sort of, I think you've mentioned basically said a troubled youth in your past. Yeah. What was what was going on? Like, what was happening? Uh, well, I, well, I, well, I was really a failure, <laughs> to be honest. Like, <laughs> like every every kind of, you know, you think of a failure, and uh, and I was like, I really was, I really, I really struggled academically, and. Um, I left like very much, even from the beginning of high school, I very much checked out. So because I got, I was just behind, I couldn't, I literally couldn't spell, like I couldn't spell three little words um, and I couldn't read at all. Like, so I, I, I just basically, when I got to high school, I, I basically checked out. So I, even in my third form year, which is when you're about maybe 14, 13, um, I only turned up to half the year's lessons, you know, and, and I was always very good at manipulating worlds. So as much as I never went to school, I, I figured out how the school system had worked so that the school never realised I wasn't at school. So, uh, you know, I, I basically <laughs> knew how to play the role. So so there is some value to uh, uh, that time in my life. But basically, so, yeah, so I failed school, um and and then I left school feeling very much like a failure, and um, and then just went very self destructive to be honest, uh, mm-hmm. drugs, alcohol, and and I was the kind of person who, you know, anything I do in life I do to one hundred and ten. So when that's pointing in the wrong direction, that's a real problem, uh, and for me that was a real problem because I like I didn't want to just get stoned, I wanted to get as messy as I could, you know, and, and that was the goal, so, you know, I was the guy at the party who at six o'clock was just lying on the floor on a pile of spew, you know, and um, and so I, there, was, there was kind of no self-respect, uh, there was a loss of morals, you know, I'd cheat on my partner, I'd, I'd, I was quite, I'd steal, um, I just kind of had no kind of 
respect or self-control. Um, I, I started to lose a lot of confidence. So over time, I actually became a really bad stutterer. So it got to the point where I couldn't really even hold a conversation because I just stuttered so much. And, and it was like I wasn't a stuttering person early on in life. It was purely just because I had no confidence in myself. And it got to the point where I, the only way I felt I could be myself was to be either stoned or drunk and, and it got to, you know, to a higher level drugs and, you know, and you just, you know, there's no, um, you know, you just have to keep going higher to kind of feel you're getting anywhere with that life. And yeah. And, and it just got to the point where I just, that was how I lived life really. And, and I was a really destructive person for myself in my world, really. What was the moment that you started turning things around? Was there someone who came into your life and helped you or did something happen like was there a, yeah. a moment where you thought i've got to change like something's got to happen yeah there was, there was three there was three really yeah, yeah i remember them quite clearly one of them was um one night we went out to town and like i was an embarrassment like i seriously was and um i remember we went out to town and i can't remember what i did but i did something and the next day one of my friends, and you got to remember the guys I'm hanging around with. We're not, we're not high-minded, you know, high moral. You know, we, we're very much kind of the lowest of the low as a bunch. <laughs> and and one of my mates said to me, "Man, you are just the biggest embarrassment." And I remember that that was that really hit me hard. Um, just you know, because the thing is, when you're in that place, you don't realise you're in that place. You know, you you don't necessarily have the awareness to see what you really are. And so I didn't, you know, I just thought I was one of the boys. But even within one of the boys, I was kind of embarrassing to them. And that, that kind of hit me really hard. And then the second thing was, like, I, I was, again, I was stoned 24-7. And a friend of mine called Mark, who was my best mate at the time, we, we, were, we, were, t we were the same. So we played music together and we were just stoned all the time. And he turned around to me one night and he said, you realise we're druggies? And as much as I was stoned 24-7... I didn't see myself as a druggie, you know, like I just didn't self-identify as that. And, mm -hmm. and you know, because the guy I was doing it with all the time said that I was, I was like, well, shit, I am. And that, that really hit me quite hard. But the big moment was I actually had a really bad LSD experience where I'd taken a real high dosage of LSD and um, it's, it's a it's an amazing drug in some ways, but it's a dangerous drug in many ways as well. And uh and in this, when I took this LSD, I had this experience. I was with all my good friends, and suddenly they were very threatening to me. Um, and when you're on LSD, you're hallucinating. You know, your senses are heightened. And I, I was in this room with my 12 best friends, and I just felt very threatened. And a threat level that's kind of like times 100 because I was on this really dangerous drug. And I actually, I left the room, and I went outside, and I kind of sat down. And I had never experienced depression to that moment in my life, but I kind of, in that moment, I got hit by depression. And I'm on this drug where you're kind of like, everything's enhanced. So it was a pretty kind of full-on moment for me. And so I went home, and LSD is a drug that can last for like eight hours on a high dosage, and I'm like an hour into this experience. And so after about an hour or so after getting home, I started thinking of everybody in my life. And I had this moment where suddenly I had all the answers to their problems. It was really fascinating. Like I, I remember thinking of my mate Mark and I, and I could see what Mark was doing wrong in his life. And, um, and I, I remember I got a tape deck. I know this is a long time ago now, but I got a tape deck. <laughs> and I pushed record on a tape deck and I started talking to the tape deck because in my mind I was going to ring Mark the next day and tell him all the answers of what he needed to do to make his mm -hmm. life good. And then I, I, I literally did it for everyone in my life. For the next like hour and a half, I just went through everyone. And, and what I was coming up with seemed like really good solutions to how they were going to progress forward. And then literally after about 90 minutes of doing it for everybody else, I just thought, well, what about me? And it was the first time in my life I actually had self-awareness. And it was the first time I really saw what I was. I was kind of this low-skilled vulnerable, insecure young man who was ultimately just a dangerous thing in myself and others' lives. And 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 in that moment, I kind of found my own answers. I was kind of like, well, what do I need to do? And I, I, well, I've got to give up drugs and alcohol. I've got to get back to movement because I was, I was a good sporty kid. I wasn't academic, but I was a good sporty kid. I also realized that I needed to overcome some of my academic insecurities. Um, and so literally the next, like the next day I went cold turkey on drugs and alcohol I got back into sport, and, and that became a real driver in my life. I went and did spelling lessons with five-year-olds sitting next to me. You know, so that, you know, that, that epiphany moment created self-awareness, and then from that moment, 
you know, it, it made a big shift, and you know, and then my life changed dramatically and really quickly. Wow, that's quite an inspiring story, and you're still living that today. Like that's yeah, that's cool. Well, one thing that happened in that moment was the one thing, probably the other thing that helped was because I felt like I was a good athlete. I wasn't a, I wasn't a superstar athlete, but I was a good athlete. So I was never going to be an All Black, but I was a good rugby player. Um, but I was never, I never, I was just good at sport. I never thought of why I was good at sport. And I wasn't the kind of kid who'd practice to be good at sport. I was just kind of good at it. Um, but I started playing guitar about two years earlier. And guitar was the first thing in my life which I picked up and I practiced and I got good at it. You know, like I really wanted to be good at it and I loved guitar. And so I'd spend hours every day just playing the guitar. And after a while, my friends started saying, man, you're really good at the guitar. And that felt good because it was kind of like, you know, you want to be good at the things you do. And then it kind of made me realize that <clears throat> if I want to be good at something, all you got to do is practice. Like it was such a simple way of looking at it. And in that moment when I had that epiphany, I was like, well, the guitar is the one thing I've got good at. So if to be good at something, all you need to do is practice. Then the areas I need to grow in, I just need to practice. So I can't spell, but surely if I can practice I can get better at spelling and it was such a it's such a simple approach but it was so real and uh you know so in that moment where I realized I needed to shift it was okay well where do I want to shift and what do I need to practice to become good at those things and that really helped as well that's the secret formula that everyone's looking for well, like practice. it really was you know and, and like to be honest the, I've, to, I've been very fortunate to achieve some pretty cool things but my proudest moment was when I became a writer for New Zealand's biggest newspapers you know like a guy who couldn't spell three little words became a writer and you know that's you know like that was that was one of my biggest insecurities in life and you know I went to I remember going to the doctor and not being able to fill out the form and it's so embarrassing you can you imagine having to go up to reception and saying oh can you spell my street that's my street name like it's almost like walking. It's a basic life skill, and I mm. couldn't even do that. So, to go from that to being, you know, put being a writer was a pretty mm -hmm. cool experience. Going to fast forward a bit now to sort of some of the work that you do. So, around helping people achieve their fitness goals. Mm. What's the most common challenge that you used to think people face when they're starting out on trying to achieve their goals? Is it first setting them or? I, I think. There's probably two things I would identify. Now, you know, for people who are exercise, you know, one of the biggest problems for people who are really good at exercise is we're not very good at thinking about those who aren't good at exercise. We just think that how we work should work for them. And that's, you know, one of the things I often talk about is that our industry, like my fitness industry is failing the non-fit person. And one of the reasons is, is that the fitness industry is very good at creating products for fit people. You know, like if I were to ask you, what what is the key to exercise? Well, you're probably going to say intensity, challenge, hard work, you know, all those types of things. Mm. Now, intensity is the worst thing you can give to a new exerciser, you know, because they're so afraid, they're so unskilled, unconfident in that area. You push them hard, they feel like a failure because they can't do it. So they they you reinforce that they suck at exercise. So you've got to be really careful about how you navigate them when they first start out. But to me, the two biggest areas that that make people fail is comparison and setting themselves at the wrong level when they start. So setting themselves at the wrong level when they start is most people when they try to add exercise into their life, they think about the goal they want to achieve and they think about the exercise it will take to get the goal. So let's say you've wanted, you know, you haven't exercised in ten years. You 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 know you think running is going to help you lose weight and get fit, and you you think okay I'll run a ten k run, and you go well my mate John he runs he runs ten k's so I'll get him to give me his program. Well you fail from the start because you know if you haven't ran in ten years there's no way you're going to be going out for a forty five minute run in your first session. So. You, you get a program, and this is what a lot of, like I remember when I was a young PT, I used to do, so get new young people who had never done exercise come and do me, and i write them programs, they were just going to fail, I set them up to fail, you know, and partly because I listened to what they told me, so I'd say, well how much do you think you can exercise, and they go, oh I can do five sessions a week, and I go, okay, well, and I'd write them a session for five sessions a week, and and they'd, they'd fail. And realistically, they'd, they'd been doing nothing. So why would they be able to do five? You know, like they mm. haven't developed that, that skill within themselves. So when you first start out, I always think your first goal should be learning to get out the door and having wins in your exercise. So learning to get out the door is the habit of 
the inclusion of exercise in your life. So, you know, like if you're going to learn to get out the door, you're going to have to learn how to pack your bag the night before. You're going to have to learn how to mentally prepare to, you know, do the session. All those types of things, that habits that you and I, we don't even think about. It's just what we do. But that's kind of a skill they need to learn. And then when they first start doing exercise, the only thing I think that they should do is focus on winning today's session. And what level do you guarantee you could be successful at? So if I were to ask a total exercise, new beginner exerciser, I'd say, what do you know you could be successful in today? And they may say, well, I guarantee I could do a 20-minute walk. And I would say, well, that's all I want you to do. And the, there's two things I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on learning how to get out the door to do that 20-minute walk. And then I just want you to do that 20-minute walk. And I want you to allow yourself to be successful and feel successful in that. Now, a lot of people will go, but that's not going to get me results. But if, you never go, if you're going to fail, you're never going to exercise. Mm. So what we've got to say is we've got to allow you to build the habit of being successful with exercise. Now, if you can learn to get out the door and you can feel successful in winning exercise, you're going you're gonna to chase bigger goals. You're going to chase intensity. You're eventually going to learn that stuff. But at first, you've got to get that stuff happening first. So I would say for a total beginner exercise, I'd say aim for six weeks of just getting out the door and having winning sessions. And that's all you're going to measure. You're not going to measure, did I lose weight? Did I get faster? How far did I go? That's actually not important. After the six weeks, that's when you can start to look about growth around movement. So that's one thing. And then the second thing would be um, comparison. Comparison is one of the biggest problems to me anyone has. Because comparison, people, comparison makes you unrealistic. So what people tend to do is to compare themselves to the best person they know in the area they're trying to grow in or themselves in the past when they were much better in this area. So it might be I want to start running so I compare myself to the best runner I have which means I'm not good enough, um, which means it's a negative experience for me. Or let's say you're a mum, you haven't exercised in, you know, you exercise a lot when you're younger, you haven't exercised in 10 years, and you go out the door, you do your first session, you should feel good about yourself because you've done your first session, but when you're younger, you would have done twice as fast, so you feel disappointed because you're not what you were in the past. Mm. And to me, that's really dangerous because if you feel negative in the experience, there's a higher chance you won't do it. Mm -hmm. And really what we're trying to allow you to do in, in, when you're building your foundation is just to feel good in what you're doing. And, and one tool that I always try to get my people to do is what I call a start point document. And a start point document is that in any area in my life where I'm trying to grow, when I start that journey, I create a document that tells me where I am when I start that journey. So if you're someone who wants to exercise right now and you haven't in a long time, and you're going to do my suggestion of learning to get out the door and do six weeks of just winning sessions, the first thing you'll do is write a document that says, where am I right now? So right now I'm doing no exercise, I'm overweight. You might even say I'm specifically 76 kg, um, blah, 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 blah. So you write down exactly where you are. And then all you're allowed yourself to compare yourself to is that start point document. So at the end of week one, you go back and you read that document. And you go, well, when I started this, I've done nothing. But now I've done three sessions where I've walked 20 minutes. And, you know, like I've got this product called My 5K Dream. And the first thing I do in that product is get them to do that. And then as the weeks progress, I say, go back and read your start point document. And it allows them to realize I've grown and it allows them to own their success. So to me, that's probably two of the areas. I think that's a really cool point. And I think that comparison and envy, whatever you want to call it, like it definitely highlighted the negatives around envy and comparison. Like I look at envy and comparison as a good point to start just so that I know something is possible. Mm. But like you said, like don't get romantic about the fact that someone's doing something. You've got to look at the journey that someone's had to get there and that timeline document that you sort of spoke about, like the start point. Mm. I reckon that's another really good point to do as well. Like we've spoken like on the podcast before about tracking your success in life and have a look over the last like – it could be any period, like the last two years, three years, last month, and just go, where did I start? Where am I now? And help help you to use that to evaluate whether or not you're actually aligning with your goals. Yeah, well, I think, I think really one cool. thing to add to that is that um, when we think about 
so what you want to think about is is the way I'm looking at this person does it aspire me or does it make me feel bad so for example I play piano so my piano is the insecure area of my life fitness wise I've done it for so long I'm I'm very secure I'm you know like I've, I've exercised for 20 years I know how to play the game whereas piano I've played for about six years I'm an adult learner you know it's the area where I experience insecurity and I've got a really good friend called Sean who is an amazing pianist uh, grade nine, you know, play any song, he can just rock it out on the piano. And when he first started coming around and just jumping on my piano, it just made me feel bad about myself. And so for him, my comparison just made me feel like I was never going to get there. And then I realized that and I was like, okay, well, again, I can only compare him. So take yourself back to comparing myself. But now when he comes around, I just go, he's an aspiration. Like I'm just so inspired by what he does. Mm -hmm. And so what you want to think about is how do I look at others? I can look at them as an aspirational thing that can inspire me to think that I can progress to higher levels. Maybe I'll never get to there. Like I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be a good pianist as Sean, but I can definitely get closer. And that can be something that, and so when Sean comes around now, I don't get, I don't feel, no, I'm never going to be that. I'm just like, wow, I love what he does and I can learn from him. Or do they make me feel bad about myself? And if it is making me feel bad about myself, that's when I want to make sure I'm stopping that comparison and going back to those reflective tools that are about me looking at my own growth. Mm -hmm. Mm. Now, with all the stuff that's going on in your life, like I'm aware that you sort of recently got married, you've got this success going on with the coaching business and training and traveling and you allude that you do a bit of speaking and stuff. What are you most proud of? Well, um, do you know what I'm most proud of? I think, you know, like I think I, I've, I've, I learned in my 20s, in my late 20s, that I had this ability for people to follow. You know, there's something I've got that um, people seem to be attractive to, attracted to, you know, that, that people um, are willing to listen to me. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not, you know, like, and so when you kind of realize that, it's kind of like, kind of, what do you want to do with that? You know, when you understand that I have influence, then how do you want to use that influence? And that's something I've really thought long and hard about in my time. And to me, the greatest measure is, does your influence actually help people change? You know, and that's that's your greatest measure. If you're someone who's going to say, I want to help other people, well, do you actually help them? You know, like, it's one thing for me to tell you how, you know, to try help you progress forward. But do you actually progress forward? And to me, my greatest measure is, did people move forward from the impact I had on their lives? And, you know, that's where I'm really proud of like my running business because we've tried to help, you know, we've tried to help the beginning exerciser and that's the hardest market to try and help. You know, it's it's easy to help fit people because if anything, you just got to say, put the carrot further in front of them. Whereas for the beginner exerciser, it's, it's a totally different game. And to me, the thing that makes me feel best about my work is as much as people are willing to listen to me is that I help people progress. And, you know, I'm very fortunate because I get to see it all the time. You know, I get to see people go from doing nothing to running 5K. So I, I get lots of feedback from people emailing me. So to me, I always just think if you're going to create content, yeah, depending on the content, like if I am talking my other podcast, it's more of an entertainment show, but my, my own podcast is just trying to help people move forward. And so I think that ultimately your measure is, do you help people grow? And I think most of the time I get it right. I don't always get it right, but I think, you know, the world seems to be showing me that most of the time I'm getting it right. And I think that's what I'm most proud of when it comes to my body of work. Okay. Mm. Well, that's awesome. I think we might wrap up now, but that was really cool. And I think, I really think that you're definitely achieving on that, like through hearing you speak on your podcast and hearing about the work that you're doing in the background. I think you're definitely, definitely achieving your goals there. But mate, I really want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. No it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. And people, if you want to check out Bevan, we'll put links in the show notes. But Bevan's got I Am Talk podcast. He's got the Bevan James Isle podcast. Yeah, which, yeah, yep. yep. And yeah, we can wax some notes in that. But yeah, Bevan, thanks a lot for your Just, just one thing, if I can promote, I, I, I've recently bought out a, an online version of my 5K product. Uh, it's mm -hmm. called My 5K Dream. Now, it's designed for women between the ages of 35 and 55, and it's for total beginners. And if, if okay. you, if, that might be you, that might not be you, but if you know someone, and it's it's basically all the lessons I've learned in helping you know my local running people achieve the goal of running 5Ks, and I've put into a, a pretty 
comprehensive um, online course to help people run 5Ks. It's not just a program. It's kind of each week you have weekly lessons. There's so much that's gone into it. And uh, so if you know someone who's interested in that, go to my5kdream.com and you can check mm-hmm. that out. All right, Bevan, I just want to touch base on your speaking career. So I know that you get to give presentations around the world to various audience. How do you get in the zone before speaking? I, I think the first thing is, is you have to know your stuff. Uh, I, I'm a real big believer in preparation. Uh, I think there's a few things to think about is how do you design a talk is a really important thing to think about. And I tend to design a talk around 10 to 15 minute blocks. So depending on how long you need me to speak for, with a 10 minute block, I'm really trying to get across one key message. So if I'm gonna speak for an hour, ultimately it's gonna be three or four messages I want you to walk away with. And and I remember recently I did a talk and I did it for the army actually. And I remember the next day somebody rang me. Often when you do a good talk, it opens up opportunity for next talks, which is cool because uh, they like your work. And the, the guy rang me the next day and he said to me, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed your talk last night. I, I don't mean to be rude, but I can only remember these three things from the talk. And actually it was the biggest compliment he could give me because that's what I wanted them to go away from. And I remember years ago I had a, a, a friend of mine who's a very good school teacher come and watch one of my talks. And he said to me, you're, you're, really, you're really interesting to watch, but I don't think you did a very good job. And I thought I'd nail this talk. And I said, well, I said well, what do you mean? He said, well, if you were to ask people what were the messages they needed to, they got, I don't think they would have been able to tell you. And that was a really, really key learning for me was that, okay, well, if I'm going to do a presentation, what are the messages people need to walk away from this understanding? And so then what I do is I then kind of go, okay, well, what are the points this audience needs from me? And often when someone asks you to do a talk, they will, they'll kind of give you an idea of what they want. And um, so I'll have an understanding of that. And then what you do is you build a story around a message. So I tend to start with a story and then I'll kind of maybe go into some rational side of it and then you'll be reinforcing, reinforcing the message. And so that will be like a 15 minute block. And so I'll design the talk first and then I prep like crazy. And I often think of comedians. So you, you think of, have you, you've been to stand-up comedians? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I love stand-up comedians. When you go to a stand-up comedian, it's almost like they're making up these jokes on the spot. But if you see them more than once, they aren't. You know what I mean? Like they, they've literally told the same joke most nights and they, they've just learned how to do their beats. And as a public speaker, I think it's almost like that as well, is that I prep so much that when I get on stage people think that it's just I'm naturally just talking, but actually I, I almost know the beats so well because I've prepped so much. So if I'm doing a public talk, I will be in my lounge for the week beforehand, probably practicing you know, for half an hour, an hour a day, practicing actually doing the talk, finding the beats, finding where it's going to captivate and so on and so on. So to me, if I do that, I'm a lot more less nervous moving into it. I'm always a little bit nervous, but I think it's a healthy thing. Uh, and, and then to just really help the nerves is just to make sure you start well. But to me, starting well is actually about getting, the first thing you want to do is acknowledge the audience. So for me, the first thing I often do is, well, there's two things you need to do. You need to get a great introduction. So I would always recommend you give someone to give you an introduction because the first thing you're trying to do is get credibility with the audience. And there's a few things you want to do with that. The first is the moment they see you, you're building rapport. So, you know, the moment, so once I walk in the room, the game's on. You know, it's not... You know, once I stand on stage and start speaking, it's as soon as you see me, I'm building rapport. So if I'm there before I'm talking, I'm going around, I'm meeting people, I'm I'm breaking down barriers so that I'm already they're already on my side. So that's a really important thing to think about. Then what you're doing is, you know, you're trying to build credibility. So I always love this idea of some people when you look at them, they're just a competent. If you know what I mean? You know, you know how some mm. people in life that you just think, yeah, I can trust this person. Yep. And, and that's what I want people to feel before I even speak. So part of that's the energy I bring to the room, the interaction I have with people before I actually speak. And then you need someone to do a great introduction of you. And the reason that is, is it's another credibility building thing. So you need people to have credibility. So I will always give some, I'll always make someone do an introduction to me and it will really sell why I am someone who is listening to in the right way, in a humble way, but it will kind of sell my achievements and sell so on. Then once I actually start speaking, 
the first thing I do is acknowledge and res that I respect the audience and I see them as an intelligent group of people. And that if anything, I just have something I want to share with an intelligent group of people. How do you do that? I, I literally will say that. I'll literally oh. just get up and say, well, normally what I'll do is I'll get a, them to interact first. So I'll get them to do something where it's them interacting. I might, I might just come up and say, hey, I'm Bevan and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I will literally say, I, you know, I, I see in front of me people, you guys, and I see obviously you're really intelligent people because they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and it will depend on what area they're in. So like if I'm speaking to a business audience, I'll say, you guys are obviously high-level business people. You obviously know how to problem solve and so on and so on. So I'll literally just acknowledge where they are and um and then i'll just say and today i've just got something on a shield for you and you might get some value from it mm. and that's a really important thing because that then says that i'm not going to speak at them and, and speak down on them it's it's really just hey here's something i want to share with you take from it what you need um and then i i always go into the, i have this thing that um premature problems i talk about which is about what will distract them from gaining the message today and often when people are at public talks there's what we call three, four premature problems. One of them is like premature uh, relocation. Premature relocation is you might be listening to me, but you're not reflecting upon yourself. You're reflecting upon the people in your life who could take this lesson. So you might be listening going, that's a great idea. My wife needs to learn this. But you're not actually reflecting upon yourself. And, mm -hmm. and really, so you're not really learning anything because you're just putting on someone else. Whereas if you could stop and go, okay, what can I take from this? So I kind of talk through this, this kind of thing, which is really just about making them be present. And then from there, I'll kind of go into the, the kind of the, the talk. Okay. And we chatted just before offline about what yeah. you said would be the key tip like what's your what do you think that key is like what's that key well i think that the key thing to remind yourself when you're public speaking is that it's about them you know often when people get in front of people it becomes what's wrong with me and when we think about what's wrong with me it's always the thing that we think is the biggest thing that's wrong with me so whatever your biggest insecurity is that's going to be the thing that comes up and so we become internal internal focus so I, these people are looking at me and they are seeing the thing that I don't like about myself. And now they're not, but that's, that's where we go when we go to public speaking. What we want to think about when we're public speaking is what am I giving them? And what do I want them to gain from this time with me? Now, when we do that, we're now outwardly focused because when I'm thinking about what am I giving them, I'm looking at them to make sure they're getting it. I'm looking at them to make sure I'm keeping them captivated. I'm looking at them to make sure they have the understanding. I'm not looking at them thinking, what are they thinking of me? I, I, I don't think about that at all, to be honest, you know, because it's, mm. you know, that's not helping them in this thing. And so if you're really well prepared, like if I'm not prepared, I will be thinking, what are they thinking about me? Because I'm not trusting myself. So you've got to be really well prepared. But if you're really well prepared to go into that place and go, no, I need to, I'm here for them and I want to help them, give them something. That's a really big tip. And Michael, like the co-host, he's starting to give a lot of presentations now for his business and he's kind of battled through that significant place. Like he sort of like wants to be there, but he's like, I don't know if I've got enough power in my voice and that'll be something really cool that he can take on board well, too. Well, well, and also if you look at the skill, he should video himself as much as possible. You know, like, mm. you know, like I teach aerobics or group fitness nowadays we call it, but, you know, and one of the best things a, a group fitness instructor does is film themselves. And the reason is, is because you can see what you are doing. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, I always think one, there's two things you can do. Film yourself and then film your audience. And you can learn when you watch your audience mm -hmm. to see when you've got them and when you haven't. And then mm -hmm. you can just learn what are the skills. Okay, so when I had them, what did I do? And then you can listen to your voice. You can look at, you know, or when did I start to lose them? And that's like... If we're going go back to that outward focus, when I'm outward focus, I'm have I got their eyes, and I can tell when I've got them because they're looking at me like what I'm saying is really important to them. You know, they're looking at, they're leaning in. You know, they're they're not looking down. They're not talking to their friends. They're not looking at their phone. I've got them, and so what does it take for me to help them get there? Now, if you can film yourself and you can film the audience. Then you can start to learn. Oh, okay, here's where I, this is what I need to do more of. Oh, that bit's not working, and so on and so on. How do you want to be known? Like through all the different stuff that you've done through your life and inspiring people, if someone was to meet you and they're like, 
who are you? Like, how would you want them to know? Like, what would, how would you want them to think of you? Uh, oh, that's a really good question. How would I want to be? <laughs> um, I think uh, there's a few things. I think I would want to be known as someone. Like I have this affirmation is when people spend time with me, they think life is better. And I, and I kind of think there's something to that, you know. And um, so I think that would be something that I that the contact with me is a good thing in people's lives. I think that's really mm-hmm. important. Uh, I, kind of, I think of my values. My values are honesty, love, freedom, growth, fun, and creativity. So I kind of want to be known about that stuff. I, like I want to be, I'd want people to say, "Geez, he's so honest," you know, mm-hmm. and, or "Geez, he's so much fun," or "God, this guy has love." Um, you know, always creative, you know, so I suppose it would be those things. Um, yeah, yeah. You get so much time in this world and and I want it to be that what I contributed added. So I suppose it's something like that. What's your message for the world? Be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, be yourself. You know, like it's... Excellent. You know, like it's... But, you know, we, we live in a world that tells us what to be and... You know, I was very lucky early on in my life. I met a man called Chris who was my greatest mentor at a t- you know, kind of around that time when I got, got through my drugs. And uh, the one thing he taught me was have the courage to be yourself. Um, and, and when you be yourself, like I don't have to lie about life. I never lie. I don't have to, you know, I, I'm not trying to be, I, I am who I am to everyone. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be what I'm not. When you're, you know, like freedom is one of my greatest values. Now, when you're free to be yourself, you've got nothing to hide. And the other thing you find when you be yourself is you allow others to be themselves. Because, like, I've got a friend called Mid, and Mid is this amazing person, and she is just herself. And socially, some of the shit she does, you just think, oh, you know, why, you know, you'd never do that. But she just does it. But what people like that do is they allow others to open up. So when you're yourself, I, I ultimately believe, like, as much as I can sit here and say I feel successful, I'm really, really happy to show you my weaknesses. I'm really happy to be show you my struggles. And we, mm-hmm. and like you, you know, I imagined, you know, you said I feel more powerful and more purposeful once I opened up around the thing that was the hardest moment of my life. And I guarantee that you have deeper connection with people because because you open up, mm-hmm. it allows them to open up. So your human experience is so much stronger because you're being yourself. And so your connectiveness with the world, your understanding of others, your freedom within self is so much more powerful just because you're being yourself. And I think so many people are fearful of letting out the thing that they think is their problem, that they get trapped and become someone they don't know. And and often they build a life on top of that. And then they wake up and they, you know, they have to go to destructive behaviors. But if you just be yourself and have the courage to be yourself, you actually are more connected have more of an impact and for more free in life. That's great. And you're spot on since I've opened up, like even through this podcast, I've had, this is the, this will be in the 19th episode where I've had five people who have emailed me and basically said about their struggles in life. They've never shared it with anyone. And just by re- emailing back and forth, they've like said, look, I feel better for getting this off my chest and well and, and, that, and, that for and, me, and our pause you, feel... you talked about how you know seeing john what was his last name john john mclean so john and we had a little bit of gap and his um your gap you kind of talked about how there was a moment where he inspired you to become who you are today and it shifted your life well that's what you're doing for them and the reason you're doing it is because you're just being yourself you know and that's the power of this stuff is that when we are ourselves look at the impact you're having on your world and what i love is that those people working through this stuff they'll start to get there too and then they'll have the same impact now so the flow on effect of you taking this step in your life is having a massive impact on the world and like how how important so how great does that make you feel obviously awesome how how deeply connected do you feel to the world now well so much more how much does it encourage you to do more of that like it's just it, the reward is just tenfold mm. yeah so yeah. yeah that's true and that it, yeah i guess that whole people struggling for significance in life as well like people think that to be significant you have to have like the ferrari in the driveway you have mm. to have seven houses but for me like significant is having someone email me and say hey and that it makes you feel great. Oh. And for you, it's it's helping that people get off the couch and yeah. learn to run five k's. Like yeah. it's 
yeah, know, like, thing when you get that email, like, is there a better reward? You know, like, what's better than that? Mm. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and you know, so, and do you feel you're more yourself now? I do, yeah. You know, and so if anything, you know, your evolution should be more of that, you know, and that's, you know, and look at the impact you can have in your life because of that. Well, the thing, the thing I sort of like to think about, and I've been thinking about a lot lately is like your story. So your story comes from like your childhood and not being able to learn very well. And like, for me, like my story comes back and I battled through depression and like suicide and things like that. And by not speaking about it, like internalizing that, I try and think, what was that doing to me holding on to that? Because twice I've like spoken about it openly into like a group of people and the feeling I get, like I get short of breath and like I'm not crying, but it's like literally like <gasps> struggling yeah. to breathe. And I and I sort of was out running going, what was that doing to me holding on to that? Like what is that mm. doing to everything I do and how does that come across? And I was just like, you don't understand what holding on to stuff does to you. Like if you've got those dreams that you want to do or you want to do something, like I, I just just start, just do stuff. Do you know what, one thing I love about is where is the energy in your life spent? And when you're in a place where you're consumed by something that's unhealthy for you, to me, you're wasting your life. Like when you're in a place when you're depressed and suicidal, which is a pretty pretty emotionally driven place where you kind of have these repeat thought patterns over and over again. Well, that, that's a lot of your energy in your life. So if you're in a place where you're negative or you're beating yourself up or you're you know, hard on yourself in a really destructive way, or that, that's, that's energy of your life then how much time are you spending in that place? Well, if you can learn to shift that energy into empowering, growing, developing, having an impact, that's a much better use of your energy. And so really what we want to try to learn is how do I remove the energies that actually don't add value to my life and then replace them with energies that do add value to my life? And to create awareness and self, you know, that's what you've done is you've gone from a place of, being consumed where I imagine it was probably 99% of your life when you were in that place mm -hmm. and you know you're saying what's that cost of me well it was cost of lost opportunity as well you know so there's kind of I'm sure there's physical and, and restrictions that came with it but also the loss of opportunity of growth and opportunity of development and um, empowering your life and to me it's I want to spend as much of my time in my day doing things that are empowering my life and I, I, I try to learn when I'm when I'm in that place where it's you know, where I am kind of, oh, you know, you're, you're in thought patterns right now that are actually just killing, you know, a wasted time in my life and then shift myself back to empowering times. Excellent. Well, mate, we might wrap up and finish yeah. on that. <laughs> I feel like I could probably chat to you all day long and maybe sometime down the line we can probably get on and have another chat and yeah, for sure. Yep. dive more into your life. But, yeah, I really just want to thank you for the time and this has been awesome and I'm sure that the listeners out there are going to enjoy hearing your perspectives on life and the things that you've overcome and the – aspirations that you have in life and particularly around like goal setting and achieving and just just being who you are like that's that's great advice just I be yourself and, and thank you for having me and good work on what you're doing and, and good luck with your talk and uh you keep being you mate it's great all right thanks mate awesome right this is the interview with me hopefully you got some value out of that hopefully some insight and uh some some things to think about within that i i did love you know, Tynan was obviously very um, open and honest with his experience, and I kind of loved it. And actually, it's interesting, post this interview, he did email, I'm not sure if I cut this bit out, but he emailed the person who had been a bit of an inspiration to him. So I do think there is something about that in life. Like, let the people know who add value to your life. Let them know that they're adding value. It's such a cool thing to do. So anyway, where am I in the world right now? So on my honeymoon, I went to, with Joe and I, we went to Paris, and when we were in Paris, we actually went to the French Open Women's Tennis Final. Now, I'm recording this before this moment, so I don't know what happened in that, but you may know if you're into tennis. Then we went to Amsterdam, we went to Berlin, we went to Prague, we went to Budapest, uh, Munich, and then Nuremberg in Germany. Just outside Nuremberg, there's a place called Root, and I'm doing a camp, a triathlon camp. It's the last part of our holiday. So right now, actually today, I'm probably out riding my bike somewhere in Germany. That's what I'm doing today. And i got to say... I'll be very much looking forward to that. And then I've got another week, and then we come home back to New Zealand. So that's very much my honeymoon done. Well, kind of the honeymoon aspect of it is because the, the last part of it is, is the triathlon camp. So uh, where I'll be working hard on my fitness and getting some interviews for my other shows. So there you go. You can check that out. I'm going to pretty much wrap it up from here. If you want to become a patron of the show, you go to bevanjamesisles.com. 
and that way you can support me in what I'm doing. And other than that, I'll see you in a couple weeks' time back in New Zealand, and I'll get back into the routine of my everyday shows. Thanks. See ya. Bye.